Democrats claiming Russian disinformation about Hunter Biden's emails. Cuomo undermines vaccine trust. Pelosi sets a COVID relief deadline. And China's threatening to take American hostages. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Can you feel it? Two weeks, 15 days, election day. It is upon us. We've already had tens of millions of people cast their ballots, and we shall have to see how that all shakes out. But it is go time, crunch time, get ready for it. We got a debate this Thursday, assuming it actually happens, assuming that the Biden campaign doesn't just call a continuous lid, as the journos call it, until Election Day. So we'll talk more about that. But but first, it's remarkable. Let's just start with that. It's stunning. When you see what the media has managed just over the last few days, what they have done here. I mean, when you dig into this a little bit, it's so clear. It's exactly as you would have thought. Uh, We went from there is no Hunter Biden story with the help of social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter straight up shutting it down. So there is no Hunter Biden story to. Come on, who wouldn't sell dad's role in foreign policy to the highest bidder? It's no big deal to then when we saw even more emails. It's Russian disinformation. In less than a week, the intellectual cowardice and ethical corruption of the mainstream media remains absolutely legendary. And with demands to prove the Hunter emails are real, we see many people who are not only changing their reporting standards on a whim, but are happy to sound like idiots if it's helpful to slow the Hunter Biden bad news avalanche. Because, folks, let's be real here. At this point, only a moron actually believes these emails are fake, a moron or a liar. And then, of course, that's somebody who doesn't really believe what they're saying. You can't you can't actually think this is unreal. Well, did the Russians sneak into Hunter's bedroom and take photos of him asleep with a crack pipe out? Did the Russians manage to piece all of this together, send it all from their email addresses? It all looks, it all lines up, the dates, everything. They planted a laptop, and then nobody involved is disavowing this. There's been no public statement of, oh, this isn't true. I can tell you this much. If there were emails out there that were Russian disinformation, that were fake, Guess what? The Biden campaign would say these are outright lies. Just like the Trump campaign said about Russian collusion, that it was an outright lie. They said it from day one, and it was. The media ran with that anyway. They didn't care. With the Hunter Biden situation, they're hoping that the media will do the heavy lifting for Joe Biden in the last weeks here of the campaign, and that he won't have to answer any questions, that he won't be forced to address this. Well, that's going to be kind of hard for them, though. We're at least going to make it as difficult for Biden and the Biden camp, the Democrats, as we possibly can. Because it's so obvious that these emails are real, that this scandal is real, uh, that no one can really stand up against this in debate. 
And so that's why we get to the disinformation. Now, here's here's what they say. There are a lot of people that became overnight experts on social media is in this in disinformatia or disinformatia. I think it's disinformatia, the Russian word for this. Right. Because all of a sudden that was the theory used to justify why Donald Trump won. There was disinformation out there and and that was the fake news. You remember that fake news. And it was disinformation being put on Facebook that led to Trump's victory. That was their whole story. Well, one of the concepts that you have to become familiar with here, and this is true about how the KGB used to do things, is they would take some true and some fake and mix them in together. But these are just standard propaganda tactics. You you want to put in three truths and a lie so that it seems credible when you get to the lie. Here's the problem with that approach to what we're seeing with Hunter Biden. This is very obvious if you're going to prove it's a lie. There's no way to hide this. There's no means. There's no explanation for this, given what we already have, given the information that's already there. And just to make sure that there's not some top super secret investigation of this going on to prove that it's disinformation. The director of national intelligence, Ratcliffe, uh, was on TV this morning and he was just saying, look, There's nothing that we have. The intelligence community, which the left always relies on, is their super secret experts that will leak things that just help Democrats. Right. But, oh, it came from the intelligence community. I used to be in the intelligence community. It's 10 percent smart, good patriots, 90 percent bureaucrat morons who vote Democrat overwhelmingly. This can tell you the truth. But here's what DNI Ratcliffe has to say about this disinformation dodge that the Democrats are running. Play six. Some of the people that complain the most about uh, intelligence being politicized are the ones politicizing intelligence. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, it is Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, who, uh, as you pointed out on Friday, said that the intelligence community believes that Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails on it are, are part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true. And this is exactly what I said I would stop when I became the director of national intelligence. And that's people using the intelligence community to leverage some political narrative. And in this case, apparently Chairman Schiff wants anything against his preferred political candidate to be deemed as not real and is using the intelligence community or attempting to use the intelligence community to say there's nothing to see here. Um, Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. And I think it's clear that the American people know that. Now, there's nothing in the intelligence community that the director of national intelligence cannot see, cannot ask for a briefing on. He sits atop it. He answers only to the president. So why is Adam Schiff going out there and saying this? Because Adam Schiff is a practiced and shameless liar. We knew it all throughout the alleged Russia collusion campaign. And now we see it once again with this Russian disinformation. You notice how the libs have returned to their old tricks here. Just as I said, they would Russia, Russia, Russia all over again, a variation of it, but still using this specter of Russia constantly involved in constantly trying to undermine our elections and our our, our electoral processes. This is baseless, but it was baseless the first time. And it gave the Democrats and the Hillary voters something of a 
of a respite from reality, which is what they were looking for. And then they weaponized it. At first, it was just the explanation for why Hillary lost. Oh, it was the Russians. Fine. It doesn't really count. But then in a matter of days for the general public, I think this was the plan from the left all along. In a matter of days, it turned into, oh, well, now we have to overturn the results of the election because of that Russian disinformation. So the fable that Democrats told themselves so they could sleep at night after Hillary Clinton got crushed by Trump in 2016 became their reality, right? They, they transformed that perception into something that they could use against the Trump administration. And they're trying to do the same thing now. It's laughable. You will not see any intelligent person on television who is also honest. You have to be, those are the only qualifications, honest and intelligent. If you're informed on this issue and you are those two other qualities, you would never, ever allow people to go around saying that this was Russian, Russian disinformation because there's absolutely no evidence for it whatsoever. And it would be nearly impossible for the Russians to pull that off. How would that even work? And think about what the blowback would be. Do you know why I knew all along that Russia collusion was a lie? And some of you who have been with me for for years now listening to the show, gosh, show going on almost eight years at this point. I think it'll be eight years this this uh, spring. But I looked at what their allegations were, what the Democrats were alleging against President Trump. And I, I only needed to know two things. One, this collusion to steal the election thing is is very unlikely to work it would it's a very low probability success and very high risk right so you're going to work with the russians effectively in opposition if not enemy power to the united states you're going to sell yourself to them to win an election and knowing all along that it's very unlikely they'd even be able to help you win that election and then you have to just go through four years as president hoping that the American people don't find out you're a traitor because of this, when, you know, as we saw, you could win without the Russians. So it never made sense. The president of the United States told me in the Oval Office the first time I was in a couple of years ago to talk to him, he said, Russia collusion, it's, it's a dumb idea. It doesn't even make sense. And I said, exactly. This is not how you try to, you know how you try to steal an election? You know how you try to cheat in an election if you really wanted to? You'd make sure that there were, no impediments to ballot harvesting, uh, ballot harvesting and uh, using mail in ballots in a way that's completely untraceable. And you could just have people who with a wink and a nod. No, they're just going to go out and collect from people when really they're going to ask everybody, oh, I'll fill it out for you. Or, oh, who's ever going to prove this or no, that that would be a smart way in select districts and areas where, you know, it's going to you don't do it across the whole country. You don't do this in Los Angeles. You don't do this in New York City. But if you're going to cheat, where would you do it? Certain counties in Ohio, certain counties in Florida, certain counties in Michigan, etc. That's how you would actually try to steal an election. Working with the Russians to do an oppo dump of DNC emails that the DNC emails didn't even do anything. It just showed that they were, you know, screwing over Bernie. And we all knew that Bernie was getting the rough stuff from the DNC. So who cares? The theory never made sense and it never had any proof, but they ran with it anyway. They're doing the same thing now with Russian disinformation. This could this would blow up in the Trump campaign's face at the worst possible moment. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It's still not clear to me that this is fatal for the campaign of Joe Biden. It's still not clear to me that this is going to end it where he won't. You know, he can't win because of this. Not at all, actually. I don't know how much this moves the needle with independence. 
But what it does show us beyond a shadow of a doubt is everything that you and I have thought about Joe Biden now ever since the story first came out was true. And that the Democrats do look the other way when it comes to their own corruption. The Democrats don't care about selling access. Hillary Clinton was a world class expert at selling political office to the highest bidder. And it also shows us that the media is absolutely craven and that our national journalistic establishment should not be considered something that anybody looks to for information or fairness or honesty now or certainly after this election. The media will never be the, never be the same informed, intelligent, honest Americans see our national news media when it comes to politics and recognize that they are broken beyond repair and it's time for us to build something new. That's where we are as a country. But we still have an election to focus on. So let's do that, too. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. And Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your sponsor? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. Another campaign. You can kind of hear it there. I know this is one of these audio moments where i just want to play it so we show you the proof of it but the president i mean i'm sorry the would-be president joe biden here when asked about what happened with uh with hunter in the emails just just was like oh, i'm not gonna answer it oh, i know you'd answer it oh, he just ignores this i mean it's very straightforward he should either say the emails are fake or he broke no laws and we've already talked about this or you know there are things that he could say that he really should say but instead, he just figures the media will cover for him right now. He's planning. This is serious. I'm not making a joke. He's planning to not do any uh, any official press until Thursday, until the debate. He's calling a multi day lid in advance two weeks before Election Day. Sleepy Joe needs a lot of nap time, apparently. So he doesn't like uh, he doesn't like this news cycle and what it's doing to his campaign. But. I'm also here to warn you, friends. I'm just here. I just want to make sure our expectations are all in line with the probabilities here. I, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I don't think this story alone is a game changer. Unless, unless this part of the story is true. Did Joe Biden, and this comes up in the emails, did Joe Biden get a piece was there a kickback scheme from some of these Hunter Biden? And the Hunter Biden stuff is obvious influence peddling, obvious selling of access to off. And even it's even worse than access. It's foreign policy decision making. Oh, yeah. Biden just happened to fire the prosecutor looking into corruption in Ukraine. How many we should ask Joe Biden, how many other countries corruption prosecutors in his eight years as vice president did he fire? Did he demand get fired holding out a billion dollar a uh, billion dollars of cash from the U.S. taxpayer to that country as his leverage? And anybody want to take it? I'd be willing to bet the answer is zero, zero prosecutors fired other than this one. But it's all a coincidence, you see. Yeah, that's right. They're coincidence theorists. Sure enough. But I think what the media is hoping for is not that they can delay the entirety or sorry they can stop the entirety of the biden story the best they can do is delay it which is what they've already done try to take some of the heat some of the 
some of the intensity out of it, right, by spreading it out over, oh, uh, we don't know, maybe it's disinformation, we haven't verified, oh, social media shut it down, they're doing everything they can to try to suppress. But they know that the, the game over scenario is if they find out that Joe Biden was getting money from this, because, my friends, that also could be criminal. Depends on the circumstances and what we're able to prove. But if you are taking foreign policy actions in a foreign country on the explicit understanding that a member of your family is getting cash from people in that country and you're getting a piece of that cash, that's quid pro quo, straight up criminal corruption. You can't do that, right? That's the equivalent of the gaming commission chief in a state all of a sudden saying that, you know, so-and-so can get a casino license because their buddies gave him cash under the table. It's no different. It's no different. That, people go to prison. They go to prison for a long time for that. It's taken very seriously. Public corruption cases, not, of course, when they involve Democrats, unless they absolutely have to, but they're taken very seriously. So that could be the, the end of the, of the Biden hopes for, for a win here. And the president's already out there saying it. Play, play 18. Did you hear the new one? I was waiting for this. So they find this horrible, horrible laptop of uh, Hunter. Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? But Joe is far more corrupt than Hunter. Because Joe knew every. Joe's getting a piece of everything. They have it in the email, 10% and 50%. But Joe is far more corrupt than Hunter. Joe's more corrupt than Hunter, the president says, getting a piece. Well, that's a big problem. That's where this transfers for me. From, from my, my assessment of this, it goes from, look, it's good that we know how scummy Democrats are and what a bunch of liars the media are, but people are still going to go into the polling booth and overwhelmingly vote on the economy and COVID response and all these other issues, health care. Um, if Joe Biden's taking kickbacks when he's vice president from his, from his ne'er-do-well son involving foreign policy for sale, that's, that's, that's Biden being dunzo. As the kids say, that's the end of that. And the media is going to do everything they can to prevent this from becoming the narrative. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I ask you sincerely, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, please keep me in your prayers. Pray I have the capacity to step up and do this job because four more years of Donald Trump will fundamentally change the nature of this country for several generations. Pray for me, please. Yeah, all of a sudden, Joe Biden's real breathy and real spiritual, prayerful. All of a sudden, he's, he's a real man of God, you know. Used to be a man of the radical left and doing whatever they say and just making sure he gets those big donations from the credit card companies. But now, now he's practically a friar. He's a he's like a, a monk on a mission to spread the faith. How much more insulting uh, can they get insulting of our intelligence? Joe Biden here is telling you that four more years of Trump will fundamentally transform this country, which is fascinating because we've had four years of Trump. Does it feel like there's been some enormous tectonic shift in what is America? Well, I mean, yeah, we had a booming economy for three years and no new wars started and a government that acts with common sense instead of 
uh, acts with this mentality that the government can fix all problems, which all history and common sense tells you is absurd. Uh, so, yeah, when we look at this issue, when we look at it, we see that he's making claims here that are just absurd. Why couldn't we handle four more years of Trump? We've already had four years of Trump. It's fine. It's gone well, much better than what you have under Biden. That's really what I hope people start to focus on. What does it look like? Analysis published over the weekend, in the Wall Street Journal, it says the average family under a Biden administration would the average family. So so average household income close. It's in the high 40s, I think uh, it's close to 50 grand. It might be a little over, might be a little below, but average household income uh, right now is has been very high. Put up, put aside covid, which is an anomaly. And it's fair to say this. This is an anomaly. But sixty five hundred dollars less in your pocket for your household under a Biden plan when you add up all the taxes and regulations and everything else that they want to do. So in, in what way is this going to benefit you? How does your life get better under a Biden presidency? Uh, I think the answer is they don't have an answer. They just say a lot of things, but all the steps that he's saying, I'm going to listen to the scientists. Trump's been listening to the scientists all along. Too much, in my opinion. But I understand the way the politics of this work. If you don't listen to the scientists, if you actually didn't listen to them, then you're, I don't know, even more of a mass murderer. They already say Trump is responsible for all of the deaths that completely lost their minds. But you're hearing a lot of things right now about this administration and about Trump that do not make sense. And it's it's meant to be a, something of a sensory assault. You hear enough lies from enough places and the media amplifies it enough. You start they want you to question. They want you to question what it is that you know to be true to unsettle you and may not work on you. A lot of you're laughing. You're like, yeah, Buck, that's never going to happen. I know. But they want to do this to enough people in the country that they might either force some people to stay home or other folks will change their mind on the way into on the way into cast their ballot. You know, they see this and they say, you know, yeah, I guess maybe four more years of Trump is is too much. You know, you get people like this pride stelter over at CNN. He's really sick of all this stuff. Is America getting Trump fatigue? Play four. Here's the question now, though. Is all the attention, all the airtime for Trump, is it working for him this time around? Or is it now working against him? I'm sure you heard about the ratings for the recent dueling town halls. Trump's uh, town hall aired on three channels, and yet he still was outperformed by Biden, who was on just one channel alone. Now, is that the ultimate sign of Trump fatigue? If so, what does it mean? And how does the press need to make sure that we are providing balanced, fair coverage of both these candidates when there are so many natural differences in the newsworthiness of them? Natural differences. I can't even my voice can't even go high enough here for for Stelter, but natural differences in the newsworthiness of both of them. Uh, yeah, one's the president. The other's a wannabe. How about that for a, how about that for a news difference right up front? Uh, yes, Trump fatigue, Every, everything that they can now. Oh, Trump is going to start World War Three. Trump doesn't care if people die from covid. Trump is a white nationalist. Trump is a white supremacist. Trump is I mean, they're just they're just trying to drown you in all this stuff that flood the airwaves with it. There's no effort at, at balance. There's no attempt to be unbiased. This is why they're crazy. And it's so obvious they have to keep telling you how unbiased they are. It's so clear that they're rooting and actively working for a Biden win that they feel the need to lie to your face constantly about how they're just journos, man. 
just doing the job, just trying to speak truth to power. It's unreal. Is America experiencing Trump fatigue? No, I think we're experiencing some degree of uh, political news fatigue just because we have to wade through so much crap, so many lies, so much dishonesty from really insecure, intellectually weak people. That's what we keep seeing all across the mainstream news. And it's just it's maddening because I'd like to live in a country where people can, one, express their ideas freely with, you know, not having Twitter and Facebook suppress their ideas because it's bad for one candidate. And then turn around and look all of us in the eyes and say, hey, uh, we didn't mean to do that, man. Yeah, we didn't mean to suppress you guys. Just sort of terms of service and algorithms and oh man, it's complicated, man. No, it's not complicated. These places are overrun with libs and they want Biden to win and they can't emotionally handle the prospect of a Biden loss. So they're all going to do whatever they can. They've already done an enormous favor. You see, it's the damage has already been done here to Trump, to, to the truth, by suppressing the initial Biden story for 48 hours. Now, I know you'd say, but Buck, the media's caught all this backlash. Guess what? They don't care. They don't care. What? Oh, everyone's going to stop using Facebook. This is the part of it that nobody tells you, but I'll tell you. The social media giants are basically giant ATM machines that have monopolies on their areas. And they're not nothing's going to change with them because of this. Yeah, they'll make some terms of service or whatever, and they'll throw some cute cat or, you know, puppy gifts into your stream. And all of a sudden, you know, the the the, the human gerbils all go back on the wheel of social media and nothing ever changes. They're not worried about this. Just remember that we got a long way to go here. Oh, the, I know there's going to be hearings on Capitol Hill. We're going to hear some great speeches from some very smart Republican senators. Nothing is going to happen. Not right now. Not given that we have an election that this that still needs to be won, that we have a divided Congress. And if we get a Biden administration, oh, do you really think a Biden administration is going to say, let's break up the tech monopolies that probably saved the election for us? I think not. Again, this is where you come for the truth. There are other places where they they take out the, uh, you know, the cheerleader uniforms and whatever they think is going to just sell the most on that day. That's what they go with. I'm here to tell you what's really happening. So don't think the social media companies are all, oh, no, what do we do now? What do they do now? Count their money all day. They're fine. Uh, And and they've already done a lot. They've done a, a big service, I think, for the Biden campaign because that stall allowed the machinery of propaganda, all the counter narrative to get going. And now it's, oh, but, you know, the the New York Times even did some some jackass story over the weekend about how there was one person at the New York Post who didn't really want to sign on to the Hunter Biden story. Uh, First of all, what? And second of all, that person's an idiot because everything that we see here completely lines up. You know, at some point you can turn this all into just silliness. Do you do we even know? I mean, how do you know who really won the presidential election? You weren't counting all the votes at some point for society to function. You got to take someone's word for it. I'm not saying, you know, blindly believe those in authority. Quite the opposite. I think most of what I do here on the show that's of value other than just bringing information is telling you who's full of it and who's not. But there has to be somebody who's not. You know, at some point we have to start to agree that things are what they are. And the only way around the Hunter Biden email scandal is to reject that premise, is to suggest, is to insist that you can just create the reality you need in the moment. doesn't matter that there's, think about this, they've got the emails 
And they also have photos of Hunter Biden that are intimate. I mean, I haven't seen it. Apparently, there's like sex tape kind of stuff on there, too. Uh, so did the Russians run some kind of, you know, honey trap for Hunter Biden? To, I mean, you know, you could come up with crazy theories all day long, but nope. No serious person would believe this. And yet our media goes along with it. So just get ready for more of these theories, more of these lies about Trump. He's going to destroy the country if he gets four more years. That was one thing when he had just when he was facing the first election. We had no idea how he'd govern. It's been a steady hand, done a good job. I'm not talking about his comments. I'm talking about his governance. He was a better president than I even thought he would be. And now they're going to tell you that with four more years, he's going to ruin the country. No, instead, let's put on uh, put on three time loser that Democrats. And it wasn't like he was close. Three time presidential loser in the past, Joe Biden. Yeah, let's give him a shot this time. Why? No one really seems no one really seems clear on that other than Democrats need to pretend that it's not absurd. Um, Speaking of absurd, you still have John Bolton. I can't believe the the president and his team brought in this guy to be their national security advisor. It's remarkable. And I mean, he's a guy who really does think we should just, you know, fight wars with countries that we really don't really don't have to. Uh, And and he's out there spreading this kind of nonsense to another lie about the president that he's not going to go. If he uh, if he loses or 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 there's going to be some effort to stay in power, play 15. Do you have concerns about General Milley or Secretary Esper or uh, Chief of Staff Meadows? I mean, is there anyone there to say, sir, you lost, you have to leave? Well, I think the Defense Department is in good hands with Esper and Milley. I have no concerns there as long as they're still in office. Uh, but let's let's be let's be clear. Trump will not leave graciously if he loses. He will not leave graciously. Whether he carries it uh, to the extreme, I don't think we know. I think it's very troubling that he has said, "I can't lose unless there's fraud." Of course, he can lose in an honest election. And I think this is really on the leadership of the Republican Party, elected officials, private citizens. Uh, that if if it's clear what the outcome is, it's up to Republicans, not Democrats, to say this is on us. He's got to go. So scummy. He won't leave graciously slash maybe he'll refuse to leave. Really putting that out there for the for the uh, viewers and, and the amusement of Jake Tapper. When you're doing the little dance on TV for Tapper as a former Republican national security advisor, Whatever you thought you were, whatever you thought you stood for, it's it's all just been sold out. You're just a fraud. Bolton's become an outright fraud. I just can't imagine something more demeaning than dancing on TV for for fake tappers amusement. It's gross. But people are getting really desperate right now at this stage of the election. Friends, get ready for more of it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Speaking of fake tapper over at CNN, uh, this was this was quite an ambush, uh, you know, and you got to you got to know whenever you go on CNN, they have no integrity to protect. They, ha- they have no reputation that will hold them back. Not anymore. They ever did. I think they did. Uh, to be fair, CNN in the 90s, even in the into the 2000s, very different place than it is now. Always liberal. But now it's insane. Now it's a destroy Trump operation. But uh, Laura Trump is a very nice lady. I've been on her show. And uh, this is what happens when you go on fake tapper show. You get unfairly 
ambushed with some clip taken out of context after running a clip of a so so here's what they did they they ran a clip of a young boy who has a stutter who's saying that joe biden uh joe biden has like inspired him because joe biden apparently had a stutter now the point about this is i had i didn't know joe biden had a stutter and i had never heard that before in my life okay great i had a speech impediment growing up i beat it i don't think that means that no one's allowed to make fun of me if i say something dumb or look like I'm out of it, right? I'm going to get made fun of if I start stumbling around my words. I don't get to play the, oh, I had a speech impediment growing up, even though I did. I had to go to speech therapy. It took me a few years. Had to work on it. Couldn't say my own name properly. True story. But that's not a defense for me. I'm not going to say to somebody, oh, you can't make fun of me because, ah, but you see, look at the way they set up. So they have the young boy who has a speech impediment, and which I have, I have total sympathy for him because I was that boy. And he has a, he has a, a stutter. And uh, they they set this up so that Laura Trump makes fun of Joe Biden's whatever I mean word salads that come out of his mouth. And Jake Tapper's like, look at this boy who has a stutter, who thinks that uh, Joe Biden's his hero. And now you're making fun of Joe Biden's stutter. Does that seem like a nice thing to do? Total, total smear job, total fakery from fake Tapper. One of the biggest blanking blanks in the entire news media for those who don't already know that for listening to the show one of the worst people the most dishonest the fakest like a psycho oh wait does he try to convince my friend sean parnell not to run for his congressional district you see all those stories hmm why would you call somebody to do that fake tapper yeah we'll talk more about that some other time i, I don't think fake wants to mess with me on that one that would be unwise uh, but here we go here he is attacking laura trump who's a very nice lady and trying to speak on behalf of the campaign. Play nine. How do you think it makes little kids with stutters feel when they see you make a comment like that? Uh, First and foremost, I had no idea that Joe Biden ever suffered from a stutter. I think what we see on stage with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. That's what I'm referring to. It makes me uncomfortable. You you have no. It's so amazing. It's so amazing to me that and and try and figure out an answer. A cognitive decline. You're trying to tell me that what I was suggesting was I think you were mocking his stutter. Yeah, I think you were mocking his stutter. And I think you have absolutely no standing to diagnose somebody's cognitive decline. I would think that somebody in the Trump family would be more sensitive to people who do do not have medical licenses diagnosing politicians from afar. Plenty of people have diagnosed your father from afar, and I'm sure it offends you. Your father-in-law from afar, I'm sure it offends you. You don't have any standing to say... I'm not diagnosing him. What I'm saying, Jake, is that we can clearly see that Joe Biden is struggling. I have one last question for you, Laura. You can't... ...times on stage, and it's very concerning to a lot of people that this could be the leader of the free world. Okay. That is all I'm saying. I genuinely feel sorry for Joe Biden. I appreciate it. I'm sure it was from a place of concern. We We all believe that. You feel that Tapper slime just slimed this guest. She, she, I, I didn't know that, that Joe Biden allegedly had a stutter. How would she know Joe Biden had a stutter? She wasn't making fun of a stutter. She's making fun of the fact that he's, I'm Joe Biden, I talk weird about it. We make fun of Joe Biden all the time. Oh, but now, now you should have seen the boy. I mean, this adorable young boy who, you know, is overcoming his disability. I mean, the whole thing, it's, why, 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 do, you, why do you hate puppies so much, Laura Trump? This is supposed to be the premier journalist at CNN. What a jerk. 
Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's looking like Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the next Supreme Court justice, but it's not done yet. You have to look and see what the schedule is, and it's supposed to get reopened, in a sense, this Thursday. Uh, That's when the Senate can begin consideration. And then there's a whole bunch of Senate procedure stuff that comes into play, and uh, they can uh, try to, if they try to filibuster, there can be a, a motion to cloture, and you know, to end it and then they have another day and they got to reconsider. And and it can basically go from Thursday, assuming the Democrats try to try whatever procedural blocks they can. And I think that's likely just so they can show how upset they are. It can't really stop the process, but it can delay it and they can give more speeches. And Cory Booker can look like he's going to cry at any moment. I don't know what it is. He always seems like he's about to cry. Uh, so that's what's likely to happen. Thursday opens up Friday. There's some process stuff they can reopen on saturday and then i think sunday is when it might actually be official in the books this this coming sunday so right right before election day uh we may be in a place where you have a new supreme court justice sunday the 25th Uh, that's all assuming that things go as planned now so far they haven't been able to come up with anything on Amy Coney Barrett to stop it. That's obvious. ACB's nomination has been moving along. And I have been surprised that the Democrats honestly haven't made more noise about this. One idea that I have about this, one theory, is that they're so set on packing the court that they don't really, that it doesn't really bother them as much now. They've just said, okay, fine, you, you get ACB through, we're going to add two or three more liberal far left Supreme Court justices. So who even really cares in the meantime? So I I think that that may be a part of it. But there was this comment that Pelosi made over the weekend about what she may be able to do about this nomination. Play 10. Last time we spoke, you said Democrats had arrows in their quiver to block uh, this nomination. But she seems like she's on a path to confirmation right now. Is this a done deal or is there still something Democrats can do to stop it? Well, we'll see. I'm not in the Senate. I don't do I don't. What I'm talking about is how we win this election, because we have to offset whatever a court, whatever the outcome of this, whatever this court may do. And the court, the House, the Congress of the United States can overturn these bad decisions. For example, the court just did one on the census. The census is a disagreement we have in this bill. This is very important who we are as a nation. And yet the court just agreed with the president to stop the census so again we'll because we want to have an agreement we can come to negotiation and we can do it now what's the difference a few days except that we could have it before the election which we wanted as soon as possible sounds to me like nancy doesn't want to tell the left-wing base there sorry we're out of we're out of options here and there's also a part of me that refuses to believe that Democrats are going to go quietly on this one. And I, and I know may, maybe I'm just I have post Kavanaugh trauma syndrome or something. May, maybe I just can't come to accept that they're going to allow this process to play out. Um, it, it does go to show you that when, when the Democrats don't have a white male Republican to attack, so much of their usual machinery of destruction is neutralized. 
something to keep in mind going forward for any kind of cabinet positions or Supreme Court justices, anybody that needs Senate confirmation. They're not they're not as good. I mean, if it's a guy who's Republican, Christian and uh, conservative, then we know what they'll come at him with. You know, they'll find someone to lie about a sexual you know, impropriety from 30 years ago or find 10 people to lie about it, whatever it may be. With a woman, though, doesn't seem like they have quite the same playbook to run. So Nancy's sounding here like they don't have anything left. And I just folks, I think some of you know, you're probably already at the place where you think, Buck, it's fine. She's going to get through. And what a big win for the Trump administration right before the election. Gosh, I hope all those evangelicals and all those, you know, cultural uh, conservative Christians who, if they ever had any doubts about Trump, they see what's going on here with the courts alone and feel like that was the bargain in 2016 for a lot of them. And Trump on judges has come through on that bargain and then some three, three conservative constitutionalists on the high court. Never mind the roughly 25, 30 percent now, I think, of federal judges that are Trump appointees or some number. It's a huge number. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but it's big, bigly. And uh, I think that ACB is going to be a, I think she's going to be the best of, of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. I think ACB will be. Uh, the strongest with adhering to the Constitution, although you never know until they get in there. You know, Bush gave us Roberts and what a disappointment that has been for anybody who believes that the law is what the law says. Uh, so we'll see about that. And then there's since we're talking about Pelosi, she just said yesterday uh, during the some of the Sunday interviews, uh, she said this on ABC that that the there's a 48 hour uh, deadline here to get a coronavirus package relief package done by election day, which, as I said, is 15 days away. So she's saying that she's hopeful that they'll get something done. She's claiming that this is something that, you know, may still happen. So Pelosi and Mnuchin have been negotiating for months trying to get a coronavirus package done. They passed a three trillion dollars is the, the democrats in the house passed a three trillion dollar package back in may that the senate did not uh did not take up the white house has offered 1.8 trillion think about all that money all that um all the stuff that that would be helpful for all the people that would start getting those i mean 600 a week that's a lifeline for people right now economically folks who have lost their jobs because of government policy folks who don't have their business operating are open because of government policy. But Pelosi won't give this win to Trump unless it will be considered a Pelosi win. First and foremost, the people who are suffering in the meantime mean nothing to her. Now, Mitch McConnell is also going to call a vote this week on a five hundred billion dollar bill that I believe is 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 mostly or entirely uh, about paycheck protection, PPP. Uh, but Pelosi wants to play games. It's just a reminder that while Democrats tell you and one of their what are their central themes, central messages is how much they care about working class people, those who are are just trying to make ends meet. And when working class people in a moment like this are really suffering, Pelosi wants to play high level political games. And, and there's a lot of ego involved in it, too. You may have seen recently that Trump and Pelosi don't really they don't really mix so well. They don't really like each other. I mean, it is it is personal for them. I mean, Trump goes after Nancy pretty hard and she goes after Trump viciously. She doesn't care at all. Why is there not a deal? Because Democrats want to spend too much money and they want to spend too much money on things that don't have to do 
with COVID. They want bailouts for cities that have been Democrat run for a long time. And uh, she's just not willing or rather Trump's just not willing to go forward with that. Neither the Republicans. And this is where I'd also remind everyone that I know it's not really in vogue to talk about this right now. I know this doesn't really get a lot of claps, a lot of cheers because it's depressing. But we're going to spend the federal government. is going to spend six trillion dollars this year alone. Six trillion dollars. We have doubled our, our national uh, national government spending and. Uh, the bill for this, man, you may not feel it right now, but it's real. And it's certainly going to be on your, your children or your grandchildren. But there's going to be some, I think there's going to be some stormy seas ahead for the economy as a result of this. I know it's emergency measures, but we're going to be at $30 trillion of debt here very soon. And the, the real moment of change for everybody is when we can't sell our debt on the global market the same way. Our treasuries, U.S. treasuries are not as desirable or reliable because other countries and and the global markets don't believe that they're really going to pay back these obligations. Uh, And all of a sudden we lose our not all of a sudden it would be slowly. Then suddenly we will lose our reserve currency status. Uh, Then all of a sudden the fight we have going on with China feels uh, very imminent, doesn't it? Then things change quite a bit. And we are in a struggle to keep our number one position of global dominance and a struggle that we may not win because we've spent ourselves into oblivion. But I know we got an election to win, so people don't really want to hear about that right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. It's about a year and a half ago now when I was in China and I remember being told by friends of mine who cover it, friends that I talked to who had been at high levels of uh, the government and on the intel side, just what do I need to expect? And there was something ominous about all the recommendations, all the procedures. You know, I went in there sterile uh, on my devices, so I didn't bring I didn't bring a phone with me, which I got to tell you, that's really it's disorienting when you don't no longer have phone with email and your contacts and Internet and you're in a foreign country. Uh, I didn't bring my phone. I didn't even bring a Kindle with me. I just brought hard copy books. I didn't want anything that had uh, circuits, anything that could carry a program of any kind, uh, because the Chinese government has built this massive surveillance system. And as a former CIA officer and somebody who is now in the media, uh, I had a feeling that as crazy as this may sound, I was told this by high level people who would know. They're they're definitely going to be monitoring you and they they may be sending some uh, un unrequested gifts home with you to continue to monitor you. You know, it's no problem for them. Easy enough to do. And and then there was also one person in particular who said, look, I'm not telling you not to go. People go to China all the time. They're Americans doing business there. You know, I'm not not getting into some into some panic mode here. Right. I, I have friends who have lived in China who are Americans and you know they've had pretty good experience there overall. He said, it's only a matter of time before the Chinese government starts detaining Americans as a bargaining chip. This is what happened. And this is the kind of thing that you saw during the cold war with the Soviets, uh, where people who were, they'd say, Oh, this person's government related, or this person was doing some kind of either spying or just there's some problem. And they start holding your, your 
foreign nationals from your country, foreign nationals to them, as bargaining chips. Well, that was a warning that I was told 18 months ago. And now the Chinese government has that warning out there for all of us. China's saying it may detain Americans in response to prosecutions of Chinese scholars. This is the piece in the Wall Street Journal. Chinese government officials are warning their American counterparts they may detain U.S. nationals in China in response to the Justice Department's prosecution of Chinese military-affiliated scholars, according to people familiar with the matter. The Chinese officials have issued the warnings to U.S. government representatives repeatedly and through multiple channels, including through the U.S. Embassy in Beijing. The Chinese message has been blunt. The U.S. should drop prosecutions of the Chinese scholars in American courts or Americans in China may suddenly find themselves in violation of Chinese law. This is going to happen. They're going to start doing this. So let's understand how we got to this point. China has been ripping off U.S. intellectual property, research and development, engaging in all forms of espionage that it can uh, with almost no consequences, stretching back now for at least 20 or 30 years. And the overall theft, especially a lot of it being cyber, but some of it's in person, a lot of it's cyber theft. But the overall theft of information, I think, between the U.S. and China, what they've stolen from us is the greatest uh, the greatest theft of information. And when I say greatest, I mean the most impactful, the largest by volume, the most widespread of any information transfer in history. There's never been anything like this before. And it could be civilization changing over the long run, meaning that our information and knowledge advantage over the Chinese uh, will be less and less over time. Now, there are people who will say, but Buck, we have our dynamic and innovative systems, and that's why we have the information advantage over the Chinese. We did, that's true, but that, that advantage gets smaller and smaller when they're just stealing, stealing the results of research, uh, when they're just stealing the results of what makes our companies so successful. <clears throat> and then they try to build and replicate them on their own. So that's been going on for a long time. Here, in this specific instance, what the Chinese have been doing is actually not their ongoing massive cyber theft against us, but they send people to U.S. universities uh, who are posing as scholars. It turns out they're actually tied to the Chinese government. And we find out that they're looking at something very specific and they're trying to uh, trying to steal information. They're trying to get stuff that they're not supposed to get to. The Chinese have already gone after some Canadians. They in June of this year uh, indicted two Canadians on espionage charges. And that was seen as retribution for Canada's arrest of a Chinese executive at Huawei in conjunction with a U.S. extradition request. So they've already slapped at the Canadians a little bit here. Can you imagine being held on, on a fake but still terrifying espionage charge in China? That's really, really bad news. Uh, you would not want to be in that, in that situation. Um, but this is what's going to happen. The Chinese like the way things have been. They like the one-way information war, the one-way trade war. They like that our elites, including the Bidens, oh, yes, yeah, see how we bring it all full circle? As long as they were getting their payoffs, as long as they had their access and the cash flowing into them, they were willing to tell us all, oh, the richer China is, the better. 
the more uh, the more wealth and influence the Chinese government has in this country, the better it is for everybody. China will liberalize. China will become more liberal as it gets deeper roots in the international financial system and is able to engage uh, in in global trade on a larger, you know, more frequent basis or you know, great, greater volume. It's going to make it a better country. That's what they told us. No, it's just made it a larger, more powerful, more aggressive country. Hasn't made it a more liberal country. That has not occurred. And there's no reason to believe it will occur anytime soon. The Chinese people, and I remember this from my time there and speaking to both scholars and, and businessmen who, who were Chinese, the Chinese people feel a tremendous pride in the rise of their country, and they feel like they should be number one. And the Chinese Communist Party, which we look at now and point out, is herding people into concentration camps in uh, Xinjiang province, the Uyghurs and, you know, the NBA controversy around why they won't they won't they'll condemn our cops, but they won't condemn Chinese concentration camps. That's how brave the NBA is. Uh, but while all that's going on. What has really been our pushback against this? What have we been willing to do? What have we been willing to say? The answer is very little until Trump came along. So now they're they don't like this. They don't like that we're going to start arresting. They're basically spies. They're running spies. One person is uh, was found out because she had a, a Chinese People's Liberation Army uniform photo online, but she had showed up at a U.S. university and was, you know, trying to find out about like bioweapon defense or something. Huh. Interesting. Uh, that was what the story here said. And it's also why we've had to shut down Chinese consulates recently. They are stealing like crazy from every aspect of American corporate and government uh, society, you know, government uh, areas. And we're finally now pushing back on it. And we got to get ready for the consequences. They're going to start detaining Americans and the tensions are going to ratchet up. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Twitter removes tweets from Trump coronavirus advisor that undermine the importance of masks. Uh, that's right. Dr. Scott Atlas, who's on the president's coronavirus task force. He retweeted something which I immediately read, uh, but uh, he tweeted a, a link to an article and his comment on it was masks work. No. And then CNN here has followed by a series of misrepresentations about the science behind the effectiveness of masks in combating the pandemic. Uh, friends, there is absolutely not a single solid peer reviewed uh, controlled study that shows a high level of efficacy in combating the pandemic through mask mandates. Remember, the issue here is of the mandate. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask all day, sleep with it on. I don't care. But as a government policy to make sure people have to do this because they're so sure that this is going to do all these great things. Well, it's increasingly clear that that's not true. It's not true. How true is it? I don't know. How effective are they? Hmm. But uh, Dr. Scott Atlas of Stanford University certainly thinks that there's an issue here and he thinks it's worth addressing, thinks it's something that we should at least be willing to talk about. Shouldn't there be some openness in all of this? Shouldn't there be some honesty? No, of course not. You're not allowed to do any of that. In fact, we're all supposed to think that St. Fauci 
has all the answers here, that St. Fauci is the guy who will get things done. And just remember, uh, he's a Democrat, folks, and he wants Joe Biden to win. And we all know that he's a CNN watcher and he loves Chris Cuomo. I mean, the, the evidence is very high that we know exactly who this guy is, a government bureaucrat who's seized the limelight, has been wrong all along and thinks his job is to say, you know, I'm sorry about all the, you know, all the misinformation out there, but the mitigation efforts we're going to do, are going to be amazing. It's going to save us all. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, not so much. He even referred to a super spreader event talking about the Rose Garden ceremony for ACB play eight. Were you surprised that President Trump got sick? Absolutely not. I was worried that he was going to get sick when I saw him in a completely precarious situation of crowded, no separation between people and almost nobody wearing a mask. When I saw that on TV, I said, oh, my goodness, nothing good can come out of that. That's got to be a problem. And then sure enough, it turned out to be a super spreader event. A super spreader event. There you go. There's Fauci calling it a super spreader event. Has Fauci ever called any of the uh, BLM protests a super spreader event? I just want to know why. Because the left wing woke politics is a protection from the virus, as we know from our own media. And if you're left wing, if you're if you're a Biden voting Democrat who's out there protesting injustice. Yeah. You aren't at the same risk and certainly aren't putting other people at risk. Remember, that's how they really that's how they really turn the screws on you to get you to comply with all these policies. It's not about you. Yeah, maybe you think you should be able to determine your own risk profile. It's about all the other people. You're putting other lives at risk. I mean, how do you get around that? How do you deal with that? No, you're just supposed to obey. And that's what we know the game is here. You are you are supposed to obey. You are not allowed to question. You're not allowed to uh, wonder why it is they've been wrong so many times on this one. Fauci in particular, and while people are out there, uh, you know, talking about how Trump would have saved so many lives and been so much better if he'd only listened listened to the scientists, uh, just remember that now they're trying to claim that Trump is the reason for the lockdowns, too. Here's uh, Governor Pritzker of Illinois. Play five. Uh, frankly, the president has made it nearly impossible for states to open up any more than they are now. Uh, we have, you know, the, this pandemic has been around now for seven to eight months. And without much help from the federal government, we've been fighting it off. Illinois has uh, one of the lowest positivity rates among the Midwest. But we're bordered by Wisconsin, where he was speaking, uh, which has a 27 percent positivity rate. Ours is about a fourth of that. Uh, we're bordered by Iowa, were bordered by Indiana. Uh, all three of those are in the top seven or eight states for positivity rates. So it is dangerous right now. We want people to wear masks. We want people to socially distance. Uh, we need to make sure that we have certain mitigations in place. And of course, we've already opened up much of our economy, but we have to maintain certain capacity limits and make sure that our people are safe and healthy. Illinois has been one of the worst hit places by COVID, but really the problem are the, the states around it. That's what you're supposed to believe. Uh, so that the problem is, is that the lockdowns are also so they demand the lockdowns and say that Trump won't do the lockdowns to keep us safe. But then they will also turn around and say the lockdowns are Trump's fault. Somehow all the bad things are Trump's fault. 
And since we're in that part of the world, we're in Illinois, might as well talk about Governor Whitmer, who's still going around. She she really got used to being in the spotlight for a few uh, for a few weeks there over her unconstitutional by the state of Michigan lockdowns. And now because of this this plot against her life, which we're finding out more was pushed largely by some FBI informant and that these guys are a bunch of psycho losers. It's not a surprise. Uh, But this plot against her, we we have to keep hearing about it because it's not just that this was a bunch of bad people that should be punished. No, no, no. That would be too straightforward. Somehow it's all, you know, the answer. It is all, in fact, Trump's fault. Play 11. You know, it's it's incredibly disturbing that the president of the United States, 10 days after a plot to kidnap, put me on trial and execute me, 10 days after that was uncovered, the president is at it again and inspiring and incentivizing and um, inciting this kind of domestic terrorism. It is wrong. It's got to end. It is dangerous, not just for me and my family, but for public servants everywhere who are doing their jobs and trying to protect their fellow Americans. People of goodwill on both sides of the aisle need to step up and call this out and bring the heat down. This is the United States of America. We do not tolerate actions like he is giving comfort to, and that's why we all have to be in this together. This is somebody who's a representative of the political party that terrorized dozens of American cities all summer with riots and looting on a whim. That's right, a Democrat. But now the issue, look at how quickly they turn this around. The issue of political violence just in time for the election is a Republican issue. Just in time for people to cast their ballots, there are all these stories out there and all these Democrat politicians who are saying, why can't we all just be more respectful of each other and, and we need to condemn violence and not give aid and comfort to extremists? Their party was effectively run by, dictated to, uh, when it comes to extremists, for months. Oh, where, where are all the great changes from the BLM movement? You, know, you notice you don't hear much about it anymore. What did BLM do exactly? Just Democrat-based mobilization. Didn't achieve anything. Didn't make anything better for anyone. There was nothing about BLM that you would point to now and say, oh, yeah, I'm so glad they accomplished that. Now everybody is safer and better off or anyone is safer and better off. Remember my analysis from a few months ago? Black Lives Matter movement would make everything worse for everyone. And it did. Nothing was improved. Nothing got better. Oh, whatever happened to defund police? They were so sure that that was something we had to hear about. They were so sure that that was a righteous cause. Why aren't they? We're going into an election. Shouldn't the American people know about defunding cops? It's not just Biden. Shouldn't all these Democrat uh, Democrats running for for the House or for the Senate? Shouldn't they be out there telling everybody about how much they support the I, the righteous idea of defunding police? Hmm. Wait a second. Do you mean to tell me that the Democrats are changing what they stand for in the height of an election cycle? or pretending that they've changed what they stand for just because they want to get votes and they know that if people really understood what the Democrats believe, really believe, the leadership of the Democrat Party, the DNC, wants, they would not want to vote for these lunatics? Yeah. That's exactly what's going on here. That's exactly what we are seeing play out. And I've just got to say, I'm, I'm troubled 
that this is able to happen at a time when the media is supposed to be supposed to be focused on just bringing us the truth, right? It's an election, our democracy, all that. You know, that's all crap. That's all nonsense. So, yeah, all of a sudden, defunding cops, BLM, don't hear about that. And the political violence that was running rampant on the left for months, businesses looted, burned down, destroyed, cops murdered, murdered by Biden supporters who were BLM connected. Does anyone hear about that anymore? Where are all those news stories? Whatever happened to that? Did any of the Democrats condemn it? Trump is always being asked to condemn white supremacy, and he does over and over. Why isn't Gretchen Whitmer, Biden, the whole group, all those Democrats, why aren't they being asked? Do you disavow Antifa? Do you disavow BLM? Well, I think we all know the answer is that no, they they won't do those things. That's why they aren't asked. The same reason that they don't keep pressing Biden on court packing. He has been asked it, but he should be asked it every time he shows up anywhere because he just won't answer the question. They don't want to ask about Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And with Black Lives Matter, he would just talk about he'd slip into the talking points about how the movement is righteous, even if some people sometimes step out of line, but they don't represent the movement. Right. Some crap like that. No surprise. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Under the Biden lockdown. The lights of Reno and Las Vegas were extinguished. Carson City will become a ghost town. If he comes in, Carson City will become a ghost town. And the Christmas season will be canceled. Look, remember I said we're going to bring back Christmas, right? The name? Remember? We brought it back, right? Remember? I used to go around saying we will bring, because I saw these big departments, so as you know, they thought it was politically correct. So they say, uh, have a great season. I said, no, I don't want to have a great season. I want to say Merry Christmas. Say Merry Christmas. Biden will cancel Christmas. The Grinch. Joe Biden, the Grinch. Doesn't really go with his whole aw shucks. Oh, gosh, just one of the guys with my lunch pail and my overalls. Leaving my mansion in Delaware on the Acela every day to go to D.C. to make sure that I get enough pork for my donors. That's the real Joe Biden. But no, no, the guy that you've been hearing about is. It's a real fighter for truth, justice, and the average guy. Blue-collar average Joe. It's all such a fraud. I think that's really one of the reasons that the people who complain about Trump as a person all the time, uh, I, 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 ha- I have no ability to take them particularly seriously if they support Joe Biden because Trump is honest about who he is. I can handle that. I really appreciate that kind of honesty Joe Biden is just a is a is a fraud. I mean, he's a caricature of a politician, whatever he's got to say, whoever he's got to be in that moment and whatever bill he's got to push to maximize the political power and benefits that Joe Biden gets and perhaps even his family. If we find out that this guy was getting kickbacks, it's all over. But you know what? There the media. Can you imagine going in? That would be a, a hilarious experiment. Very illuminating, too. If you could be a reporter in a, in a national kind of newspaper and you wanted to walk in and to ask your news editor, hey, I really want to follow this lead. I think I can track down that there were payments made to Joe Biden uh, from Hunter Biden from one of the LLCs that he set up. Um, you would. I think you'd be fired. I, I think they would find a reason they wouldn't fire you for that. They'd call you into HR and say that, you know, you cursed in a meeting or something and somebody was triggered by it. But you'd be gone. 
that's how much the journos want to get to the truth. That's how much they really want to make sure they're doing their jobs of bringing it, bringing it straight to the American people. Such, such absurdity. We all know it. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that's not, not only does, does uh, Trump point out Joe Biden, the president, I mean, the problems that he would be as president for COVID and lockdown reasons, but also the left really has an ideological fervor around hating fossil fuels. I mean, it, it just keeps getting worse. The more wrong they're proven about fracking, fracking has been a godsend for this country. And as I've described before, it's a technology that's been around for a long time, but it's now used in over 90 percent. I think it might even be 98 percent of wells in this country use some form of fracking. It's a safe, much more efficient way to extra- extract a whole lot more uh, natural gas and oil out of these wells. And the left has been saying, oh, my gosh, it's going to poison everyone. It's, it's all a lie. I mean, it's all nonsense. We've turned into an energy superpower and they want that to stop. They want at this point where we've all had and you can't even really feel what a benefit this is. You'd have to sit and think about it. Your electricity bill is lower. Uh, the transportation costs for products to your grocery store lower. The cost the cost of everything in your life basically is lower than it would otherwise be because energy costs are lower. And remember, 50 percent of of oil, of petroleum uh, goes to cars and 50 percent goes to products and transportation. I'm sorry, products, transportation, be part of cars. Uh, but 50 percent goes to products in stuff that you use all the time, you know, necessary for the manufacturing of stuff that you're using. So the left, because they just reject economics and replace it, replace it with this uh, religion of redistribution, I mean, Marxism, a kind of neo-Marxism, uh, they don't really understand all the benefits and don't really care. And Trump understands that that's going to be a big problem for us. Play 20. He wants to terminate our newfound energy independence, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to end fracking. You know, do you ever see this guy? For a year and a half, there will be no fracking, no fracking, no fracking. Then he goes to a great place, Pennsylvania, and they say, by the way, we have a million jobs for fracking. Oh, we will have fracking. We will have. And the fake news doesn't even talk to him about it. They don't ask him, like, well, how come for a year and a half you said there's no fracking? And then as soon as you get the nomination, you say there's fracking. Hmm. Good question, isn't it? The kind of thing that you would want national news journos to ask, right? But we all know that's not going to happen. Wait, Joe Biden, why did you say one very clear thing when you're running in the Democrat primary? And now when you want the American people in a general to vote for you, you completely abandon that thing you were saying before. That feels kind of dishonest. Why were you doing that? Ah, because this entire candidacy is premised on being able to change whatever you said, whatever you believed then into something else. Now, that's more that's more useful. Ah, yes, that that's the good old earnest Joe Biden for you. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. There is kryptonite, in a sense, for politicians. What is the thing that is most terrifying to them that they avoid at all costs, that that weakens them immediately? 
for the corrupt politicians out there, most of whom are Democrats, not all. What is it that is such a problem? Oh, that's right. It's accountability. They want to avoid accountability at all costs. Whatever they have to do to make sure that they are not held responsible for the crappy decisions they make, the ill effects of those decisions on the American people, that's what they'll do. And there is perhaps nobody who is putting on more of a clinic, more of a a master's class in that regard than Governor Cuomo of New York. Governor Cuomo. What is he saying now? He's written a book. Let me tell you about this book. The book is about how he did a phenomenal job handling COVID. Why was he so good with COVID? Well, don't ignore, don't look at the numbers, but look at all of the speeches that he gave. When he was giving those speeches, people were thinking, okay, there's a guy, he's a governor, he's talking. Right. That's pretty much it. But there is a book out. It's not, I'm not kidding about that. That's real, where he's talking about what a great job he did. And of course, he didn't write it. I mean, come on. Nobody really expects that. Uh, here is the governor, though, blaming, you know, there's all these restrictions still, and particularly in New York City, a, a huge amount, 25% restaurant capacity. And uh, I'm going to talk about the restaurant thing in a second. But there's all these restrictions that are in place. And you would think that since this is a state and local decision, that the state and local authorities would be to blame. But no, Governor Cuomo wants to put the blame on somebody else. Play two. The virus was coming here on planes from Europe for three months. Most of those flights were landing on the East Coast, many of them in New York City. That's why New York was ambushed by that coronavirus. And that's why we had to shut down the way we did. And that's why you see the economic numbers down for New York, because we shut down. But you now are reporting on states in the West. That didn't shut down and didn't take COVID seriously. And now you're seeing their cases go up. Right. So uh, it, it makes the point. Yes, we shut down because we were ambushed, but we got the virus out of control. Those other states that were in denial, that's where you're seeing the increase now. There is no second wave, Stephanie. This is the first wave that they never came to terms with because they denied it. And now uh, you're seeing the numbers go up. What a rewriting of history from this massive jerk. New York and New Jersey collectively, which you have to think of as they're really operating in this regard, like one like one area, one state. More people died from covid here per capita than anywhere else in the United States. And one of the worst rates in the world, right up there with northern Italy, with some of the places that had major outbreaks that decimated, particularly the elder elderly population and people in nursing homes. He had the worst. I mean, the absolute worst. And he thinks he should lecture other states. This is like the kid who gets an F on a paper telling a kid who gets a B on a paper a couple of weeks later. You know, if you had studied harder, you would have gotten an A. What do you know? Cuomo disaster. The guy's an absolute disaster. And this is this is make believe that we've we've got the virus under control because of all of our precautions. We had these precautions we had much more in the way of precautions in place for months, and the virus was ripping through the city. Couldn't bring the curve down. Ten weeks. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't put a dent in it. Kept getting worse and worse and worse. Lockdowns, masks, hand washing. Couldn't stop it. 
And now after it ripped through New York, at least 20 percent of New York City got infected or was exposed. Numbers probably substantially higher than that. Now he thinks we should do a victory dance. Now he thinks that we should uh, take a moment to look at how he did a great job. I mean, is this guy out of his mind? I mean, the answer is, well, no, he's he's uh, engaged in the propaganda of somebody who is going to run for president. Get ready for that. Now, if Biden loses, maybe not, but he will run against Trump the next time around. That's right. Governor Cuomo will run for president. So he's preparing the groundwork for that right now by making himself an anti-Trump figure and saying that it's the federal government that's to blame. And also, uh, you know, saying that all these flights coming in from Europe. Does he not understand how how just basic disease transmission works? Yes, it started in China. It spread in China. Then it went to Europe. And then there were some flights from Europe that came here. But once it gets seeded into the population, Cuomo, you utter buffoon, it spreads in that country. So once you, you know, once you already have it showing up here, which it was uh, long before this three month period he's talking about, then it goes person to person in the U.S. We weren't just importing flight after flight of covid patients from anywhere. The, the shutdown from China might have bought us a little bit of time in that period. But remember, it had already spread a lot in China. It was getting to a place of spread in Europe. So the, the shutdown in China may have bought some time. Eventually, it was going to hit us here. There was no way around this. No country that is our size and interdependence with the rest of the world was able to avoid this. Not even close. Not even close. Um, but here we are. You know, I think that now people would probably say, oh, what about what about Japan and South Korea? Um, they've been preparing. First of all, they have very different populations when it comes to health and obesity and hypertension, things like that. Uh, they've done far less. Te- they basically don't test for this. They've done far less testing uh, in the beginning of this. If people really think that they've managed to shut down, I mean, first of all, Japan is an island. It is a lot easier to control who's coming and going. Um, and there's real questions out there about how much cross uh, cross T cell immunity, cross immunity there is from T cells from people who are next door to China that may have been exposed to similar coronaviruses in the past. So they may already have had a wave of something close enough to this in that area. You know, why didn't this spread all throughout China? We don't seem to really have a particularly now. I think the Chinese government's lying about this. We don't have answers. Um, but I can I can tell you this because I'm watching very closely and I'm here in New York as this whole thing plays out in New York City, in the heart of the worst hit place in the entire country. Uh, the idea that bureaucrats harassing people and telling them to mask up all the time is some brilliant plan that's saved tons of lives is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. It's just not true. I was here when we were all masking and the disease was spreading everywhere and everyone was much more scared of it then because we thought the fatality rates were higher. And then eventually it receded. Why has it come back in New York? They'll tell you it's because of mask wearing. But then they say that a lot of people who don't wear masks when the disease spreads, it's because we're not doing enough of what they say when it's gone and spread a lot. And then it recedes. It's because we were doing what they say. This is how they approach this. They can't be wrong, right? It isn't that convenient. They can't be wrong in all of this. But perhaps even more reckless, you know, I just got a vaccine because I got a little nephew on the way soon, which is very exciting. My sister is having a baby any day now. Um, she's she's it's due, it's due, it's uh, due date game time right here. 
but I'm going to have a little nephew any day now, which is very exciting. But I had to get the uh, whooping cough vaccine. So I got that done. And I was uh, talking to the uh, woman, the technician that gave me the vaccine. And I said, you know, how prepared are you guys going to be for when this vaccine eventually gets? She said they're expecting it to just be like round the clock. You know, they're already having conversations about how they're going to try to implement that because, you know, it seems like, well, there's a lot of people to give out the vaccine. But, you know, this is going to be almost like a military uh, a military scale operation to get this out there, to get it to people. It's going to be a big deal. And, uh, you know, there's these people out there who are raising questions like Governor Cuomo about whether you can even trust a vaccine. This is so reckless and so wrong but politically useful in this moment here's here's what cuomo is saying about it play one how confident are you in the approval process of the fda right now well first uh how confident am i uh i'm not that confident but my opinion doesn't matter i don't believe the american people are that confident you're going to say to the american people now here's a vaccine it was new it was done quickly but trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe uh, and um, we're not 100 percent sure of the consequences. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine and they should be. So what's it going to take to convince you that it's safe, that it's effective, that it should be distributed? Well, what I said I'm going to do in New York is we're going to put together our own group of doctors and medical experts to review the vaccine and the efficacy and the protocol. And if they say it's safe, then I'll go to the people of New York and I will say it's safe uh, with that credibility. But I believe all across the country you're going to need someone other than this FDA and this CDC saying it's safe. That's right. Here you have a governor of one of the largest states in the country telling a national news audience you can't trust the FDA on this vaccine. Remember, he, they keep playing this game of, oh, it's Trump. Trump has to wait for the approvals from the FDA. So, so what, what he's really claiming here is that there's some way that Trump will have corrupted the FDA to give, uh, FDA to give people a, an unsafe vaccine for political reasons. Let's all understand this right now. Um, if Trump loses, there's zero incentive to do that. Right? So it would only be if Trump wins. So let's start with that very obvious proposition. And, and then beyond that, that Cuomo is going to have his panel of New York state health experts that are going to determine this. They have better access to the data. They, they have a better understanding of this than the FDA. But this is all the FDA does. Now, I'm not saying that all of a sudden I think federal government agencies are are infallible far from it. Um, and, and I think it's understandable to have questions about them in, in a lot of contexts. But here it's very transparent what's happening. I mean, they're questioning the FDA because of Trump. Because of Trump, we can't trust the FDA. So the New York State Health Authority is going to do its own testing on this. Cuomo and his band of morons are going to be the ones that determine whether this is safe. All playing politics here. Undermining the trust that the American people can have in the safety of a vaccine once approved by the FDA and federal authorities, uh, undermining that because it makes Trump look bad. That's what they're willing to do. So just remember that when they try to tell you that this is all about protecting life and listening to the science and all this stuff. Oh, no, they're willing to completely discount the science. As long as it means that they can take a swipe at President Trump. 
they're willing to make people believe that the FDA is uh, no longer a, a reputable source of information on the safety of a drug, a vaccine, that will be uh, distributed to the American population en masse soon enough, hopefully, God willing. And that just goes to show you how, how utterly polluted and political this discussion has become. While he's telling you about how much he cares about public safety, the governor of New York is in the most cynical and, and blatant fashion undermining public safety and health. That's how the Democrats are rolling these days. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Went for my first New York City indoor dining experience this past weekend. First time I've been inside a restaurant in New York to eat. I mean, I've gone in to pick up food and like walk in, walk out. But the first time I've been inside sitting down for a meal since the pandemic started. So that's since March. Uh, So it was, you know, kind of I felt like a little bit of a, a return to normalcy, except it wasn't normal at all. Right. It should have felt normal. But first things first, you know, I hate to be this guy. I don't know what it is. And I don't have kids yet. And so a lot of you know much more than I do about kids. I'm not even married yet. So I got a lot of work to do. We all know that. But uh I, I walk and there's a table sitting next to me and I was there with my my uh, my buddy and I we had a mandate my buddy uh, Will Ricardella of the Washington Examiner we had steaks together hanging out he was in New York and so we're sitting there and oh I got we got a fillet for two usually usually I'd go for the the porterhouse for two but the fillet for two at this place was absolutely fantastic but we sit down and there's a table next to us and there's a kid who has he's with his mom and dad probably about 10 years old and he's got an iPad out on the table. Now, you know, I don't really, you know, if you're sitting within eyesight of it, it's like the flashing lights and stuff. It's really just kind of a, not a dark restaurant, but they're trying to set some kind of atmosphere. I would have let it go with the, with the, uh, the video stuff. But he had, a, it was a video game he was playing. You know, some kind of pew, 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 you know, whatever, that kind of stuff going on. You know, my video game noises make sense. And he had no headphones on. So this guy's sitting in a restaurant that's like quiet. There's some, you know, music, light music in the background and playing a loud video game at his table. And his parents think this is OK. I, I, I have we turned into a barbarous society. Is that what's going on here? Do people have they just have no manners anymore at all? You're at a public restaurant. It's, it was a nice restaurant. It's expensive steakhouse in New York City. It's a Saturday night. It's eight o'clock. And you've got a, a video game out on the table that's making noise that you could hear from 20 feet away. I mean, it was like he was playing the game, didn't and the parents were just staring down at their plates and not even talking to each other. And this kid's there playing a video game. No headphones. Is, is that the so I just want if that's OK, then I want to start going to restaurants, put a Bluetooth speaker down on my table and start blasting, you know, Metallica while I eat because because clearly it doesn't matter. Right. Clearly, you don't have, to have it anyway. So that that set me off. And anyone who does that needs to be, look, you need to be told off. You need to be told, excuse me, stop that. So I did. I told the parents, please, can you turn that down? I was nice about it. But I said, can you please turn the music down a little bit or the, you know, the video game noise down? And they, kind of, they turn it down a little bit. I got the other thing too. They didn't turn it off, which is what they should have done. Like at least mute the noise. Nope. Turn it down about 30 or 40%. And, uh, and then we heard a commotion up front and uh, heard a bunch of, 
swear words and some breaking glass. And here I am. It's the first time I've been out to dinner, like I said, in March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. I don't know, eight, nine months now. And uh, there was a some kind of a, a fight broke out. A table of people in the restaurant recognized another table that was about to sit down right next to where I was of 10 people. It was a 10 person group. They saw a four person group and they knew each other, according to the, the uh, server. When I talked to the servers afterwards and they just broke out and they just started throwing punches. So you got a, a, roughly a dozen people who are shoving and punching each other in this restaurant. And the police had to get called. The police precinct is like uh, 100 yards away. So the cops got there in a minute or two. It was very fast. And there were four cops on the scene. And I couldn't really see much of this because it was in a different part of the You could hear it, but you couldn't see a different part of the restaurant. This felt like, you know, this. Re- I felt so badly for the restaurant and for the other diners because I talked to the servers and they're, they're barely hanging on before they're going to have to default on their lease shut the place down forever. They're barely hanging on 25% capacity and a bunch of morons cause a fight in this restaurant over nothing. I mean, one guy looked at another guy or something or, you know, yeah, it's, it's uh, outrageous. And it made me just think, you know, I don't know, staying home, using my own kitchen to make my own stuff or uh, throw some Mac and cheese in the microwave and watch some Netflix. It's not bad. You don't have to deal with bar fights. That's that's for sure. You have to deal with bar fights. Good news is Will Ricardello is about uh, six, eight, two fifty. So if we had to get into a bar fight, at least I felt like I, I wasn't uh, totally solo on that one. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to be a part of the action. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to send us the email. And uh, Instagram. If you're not already following Buck Sexton, please do. And you can send us messages right then and there. That's the way to make all the magic happen. All right, let's do it. Uh, but first, though, producer Mark, any exciting things? from? Did, did you were you uh, privy to a a large violent bar fight over the weekend or did you and Mrs. Mark actually get to enjoy yourselves? No, there was no bar fight in my living room this weekend. It was unfortunate. I was hoping one would break out. Unfortunately, it certainly, yeah. it certainly gets the juices flowing a little bit, you know, especially when people are yelling, I'm going to kill you blank, blank. You know, I can't say any stuff on radio, but it was a lot of these people. Uh, th- th- these groups of uh, of ruffians were very unhappy with each other. <laughs> I can tell you that they were not they were not pleased. At least you had some entertainment. Yeah, it was not. I was not really relaxing on a Saturday night, especially oh. when you're paying uh, what I was paying to have a couple. But I will say, ooh. Steakhouse steak. When you when it's good, it's it's so good. You know, I just stay with the classics: fillet, mashed potatoes, sautéed asparagus. I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. It was uh, really top quality. Are you a ribeye guy? Have I ever asked you this? Or what's what's your go-to? Yeah, I would go ribeye number one. Yeah, 
See, it's hard. I can't do the like porterhouse for two or anything like that because my wife does not eat red meat. Oh, so it's hard. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could just go hard in the paint. Actually, yeah, you just buy a hundred dollar steak for myself. Two, two for one. Yeah, you could just let it rip, my man. I mean, you know, YOLO, producer Mark. You only live once. So yeah, I I uh, I did have a fantastic steak. I, I look. I liked. I like my fillet for two better um than uh it was supposed to be a dinner for three but the snow princess wasn't feeling well um but uh you know i i like my filet for two better than i had a wagyu recently and that's kind of a bragging right Ooh, i had a wagyu i didn't pay for it somebody you know very kindly got it for me um i was at i was at a private home and uh you know it's a 200 dollars steak basically 250 fifty dollar steak and it's just not worth it it tastes like um foie gras mixed with a mixed with a steak which is like too much. You just feel like your gallbladder is going to explode afterwards. Yeah, I've heard like dry aged steaks like don't taste good. Hmm. So, like why? I've, I I don't know. Dry aging is supposed to bring out more flavor. I, I haven't had a I haven't had a problem with dry aging. I will say that I've found that grass fed meat is a is a roll of the dice. That people pay all this money for grass fed all the time, and you'd think that that always means it'll be tender and better, but. Sometimes you want a cow that's just given like the equivalent of cow junk food, you know, with all the corn and whatever other stuff, you know, you want it nice and juicy. So you're saying we'd be good for cow meat right now. We'd Pretty be much. All yeah. Junk food. Yeah. yeah I, I would be a, I'd be kind of a human ribeye. I would unfortunately not be like a lean bison burger, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, all right. And actually, I'm working on it. I got a, I got a workout program sent to me by a friend who's a, a fitness professional over the weekend. So I'm. I've got a starter program, producer Mark. I could even share it with you. Oh, that'd and be it's, great. It's one of these things where you read it and you go, oh, yes. Wow, this is really helpful and this would make sense. Now I just have to do these things. And you're like, oh, there's a, there's a wind sprint slash you know, like you walk and then sprint, walk, then sprint on the treadmill for, for uh, 20 or 30 minutes at a time. And that's in addition to some strength training. I'm like, ooh, ooh. You know, deadlifts and presses and stuff. I'm okay with that. But once you start telling me cardio too, I'm like, oh, but it's cr- it's true. It's right. I know I'm somebody like this is. You know, you, if I want to play in the big boy league, I gotta I gotta actually swing the heavy bat. You know, that's the way it goes. Nice. I, I was also watching. Uh, you know, Moneyball was on is on Netflix now. You've seen that, right? Of course. Good movie. Yeah. It's very watchable. It's yeah, a very really good movie. It, even though I don't know much about pretty baseball. good book too. Yeah, Michael Lewis does good stuff. He's a lib. He's kind of a commie, but he's a commie who makes a lot of money off his books, that's for sure. Eric, first up here for Roll Call. Hey, Buck, I was like you. I thought the town hall could only be a net neutral or negative for Trump, but I was wrong. It was a home run. He missed a few things, but otherwise took Guthrie to school. Shields high. By the way, Trump does have a great smile, but but Tallulah's is better. Uh, yes, well, Tallulah is, is very beautiful, the French bulldog. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see her. I have a, I have a little video of her today uh, where she's sleeping, and I'm sort of creepily taking a little video of her while she's asleep. It's a dog, though. It's not a human, obviously. Um, but she makes little snort noises, and I just think she looks like a little piggy, so it's kind of fun. Uh, that's on Instagram, though. See, this is why I tell you to follow these accounts. You'll see fun things. As for the town hall, no, I think that Trump handled Savannah Guthrie very well. So maybe that com- maybe that combative environment ended up working out for him. But it's just, you know, that's what he- it was always going to be like that. There was no way Savannah Guthrie 
was going to have Trump on her show and or Trump on a town hall stage, I should say, on uh, on NBC and not just go after him. Right. I mean, she can't. You have to remember, for people like Guthrie, she's not able to you know, socialize with her peers and with her friends in peace unless she attacks Trump. Right? She's not going to be welcome with the same groups of. I mean, this is this is a part of their identity. When you're that when you're that kind of a media personality and you're expected to be part of the lib establishment, you're not able to deviate from this. Now, no one's no one's going to be OK with you going soft on Trump, which just means asking him questions and not jumping down his throat every chance you get. So, yeah, Eric, um, fair enough. Alex, just like Hillary ignored certain states, I worry Trump may be doing the same. I live in Georgia and I've seen a lot of Biden ads on TV and maybe two Trump ads. Well, Alex, if Georgia goes for Biden, that's very bad news. Uh, I know that it's closer than it. Uh, I think the polls show it closer than it has been in previous years. I think Georgia's is going to go red, but we need to go very red. And at least as an indicator for the other states. And as for the uh, TV ads, I have seen more Biden ads on TV, too. But remember, Hillary outraised and outspent Trump bigly and Trump beat her huge. So I think that we're still probably in the, in pretty good shape on that one. But I, I, I hear you on that, Alex. I think that there's definitely it feels like there's more Biden media stuff going on that I'm seeing that I've seen from Trump. Uh, and it's all it's all over the place. Brian, hey, but quick, fun question I thought of while listening to today's show. I chuckled out loud at your Springsteen Fleetwood Mac comments, but I've never heard you mention who what some of your favorite musical acts are. uh, Musical acts are care to elaborate. And don't worry, I'm not from Jersey. Thanks. And keep up the good work. Um, Bands that I like. Wow. Putting me on the spot. Here's the answer. None. Buck likes nothing. That is false. Don't listen to Mark the Grouch. That's not true. I like some bands. I like. Uh, so if you're looking for greats that I like a lot, I would say uh, Led Zeppelin. Very, very high on the list. Um, I would say I like Aerosmith, which I know is very. Uh, I would even say that Bon Jovi has some great songs if we're looking at American rock anthems. Um, so it's not like I just hate music musicians from New Jersey, because I know that turns into a thing when you when you talk about the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, people will think that um, I got to think of other. I like Jimi Hendrix a lot. Uh, I like uh, Creedence Clearwater. I mean, those are all these are all bands that I would say. I mean, obviously, the Leonard Skinner has uh, has a couple of great songs. Who else is in the uh, in the mix here? And then if you're looking for more contemporary stuff, I, I, I don't know. Like a lot of people, I have eclectic taste. I like a lot of different things. Uh, I, I listen to a fair amount of 90s music. So I like Stone Temple Pilots. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. I like the Goo Goo Dolls. I don't care what anybody says. I like Creed. That's right. I said it. It's true. Creed is good. Well, all of your music opinions are now invalid. Congratulations. I know. See, people hate on Creed so much, and this is just nonsense. People hate on Creed because they've been taught to hate on Creed. Do you like Nickelback also? Nickelback has a couple of catchy tunes. I'm just saying. Not not like the best, but, you know, they're not terrible. If you want to talk terrible, I mean, Matchbox 20 makes me want to, you know, go drop a toaster on myself in the bathtub. I mean, Matchbox 20 is rough. So that's if we're talking 90s stuff, because I, I, I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of the big music station in New York. 
on radio. I had a boom box with two tape deck and I would listen to, uh, you know, top. I listened to a K rock, which was a, a rock station where you would hear things like Creed and nine inch nails. And, uh, and I don't know whoever else, you know, there was that limp biz kit era. Remember that? They you know, all that there. stuff like green day and whatnot is classic rock now, technically, which makes me feel so old. Wow. Like the yeah, chili peppers, to, classic the rock off, now. The, the offspring, the chili peppers. Uh, you mentioned Green Day, Smashing Pumpkins. These were the bands that I grew up with. Those are the bands I grew up listening to. I loved Sublime. Such a shame what happened to lead singer there. He had so much more good work to do. Uh, so there are a lot of bands that I would say. And, and yes, in, in the same vein of, with Creed, I don't care what anybody says. I like Dave Matthews. That's right. I know. People a lot like of people like, like Dave Matthews. Some see this is the thing. Dave Matthews is very polarizing because people either really like Dave Matthews and it reminds them of, you know, good years of their of their youth or they just absolutely hate Dave Matthews. That's what I've come across. That's the they same just, with my favorite band, Coldplay. Either you love them or you hate them. Ooh, yes, yes. Dude, I heard them live a year ago and they're a great act. I can't can't uh can't take from the game on that one, man. They're whether even so they're so good live, I would say, even if you're not a fan necessarily of listening to their songs, watching them do their thing is impressive. Yes, I agree hundred percent. They put on an amazing live show. Amazing show. Yeah, yeah. So so there anyway, I, I Alex oh no, that wasn't Alex, that was uh, Brian. So I gave you a whole bunch of bands that I and I could think of others too, but those are all bands that I like, and I think that some of you would would agree with a, you know, a, a fair amount of a fair amount of what I put out there. Um, oh, I I love Radiohead. I mean, I grew up at a time when Radiohead was very popular. I listened to a lot of Radiohead uh, when I was in college, so that's another band that I would say the Buckster is into. I like this British band Block Party, which I've mentioned before on the radio, which is kind of an indie pop kind of band or indie rock band, uh, not pop, maybe pop. I don't know in uh, the UK. Uh, so yeah, there's some, there's some bands. Anyway, though, you can add some of those to the list. I actually have a, a workout playlist on, on, uh, Spotify. That's, it's public. I think it's called beast mode and you just type in beast mode and I've got like 200 songs on there all for workout purposes. There's hip hop, there's rock, there's techno, there's all kinds of stuff. So if any of you want to sort of take a, take a gander through bucks, it's for working out. It's not for like hanging out in your apartment. Cause some of the stuff's pretty intense. But yeah, you can download my Instagram playlist. There you go. Maybe I could even put it on the Spotify, your Spotify playlist. Damn it. That's what I meant. I was sounding so cool. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call. We got Gina. Here she is. Hi again, Buck. Listen to your Friday show breaking on our local news channel. We are in Denver. It was announced that even though we have been wearing masks as mandatory in all businesses, COVID is on the rise and we are now required to mask at all outdoor activities and all indoor activities are limited to five people just in time for the holidays. How sciency of them. Yeah, well, unless you have a drone at my window and a cop at my door with a warrant, of course, I will not be changing my repertoire for any government edict. Cornbread stuffing and pecan pie. Anyone will leave a seat at the table for you. Shields high. Well, Gina, you got to make that cornbread stuffing gluten-free but uh, which is possible and quite good but yeah i agree and this is what's going to keep happening the the tyranny of their stupid decisions and edicts will not stop until we make it stop they're not going to just get tired of this they're going to keep doing this and doing this and doing this more rules it's never that they can't actually make you safe 
It's never that they're incapable of stopping a virus that operates very much like the common cold. Imagine what it would take if we had to stop the common cold in society. We're going to we're going to stop it forever. Okay, good luck with that. we, We have no cure for it. We have no vaccine for it. And it spreads like wildfire. But we're going to stop it. Just wear a mask more. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. But uh, they'll add more and more things onto it. And remember, even when we are insufficient, even when it's clear from the data that whatever we're doing isn't working, it's never that their ideas weren't good enough or that their advice wasn't sound. It's that we didn't do it well enough. That's the real uh, that's the real response. That's the real answer. You know, we, we weren't good enough at it. It's always on us. It's never on the experts. Remember that. Michael, hey, Buck, woke up today, heard out my window, a loudspeaker say Sean Parnell. So I said, what the hell? He's right down the street. Let's go meet this guy. I took a photo for the lady in front of me. And then I shook his hand and said two words, team Buck. But I thought he's a fairly large man. Jesse Kelly must be huge. Now more than ever, shield time, my friend. Well, Michael, that's great if you got to meet the one and only Sean Parnell, who I very much believe is going to be the next congressman from his district out in western Pennsylvania and will do a fantastic job in D.C. And uh, yeah, Sean. So Sean is thicker than Jesse Kelly, but Jesse is taller. And I'm like the little I'm like the little tiny hobbit at six feet tall. I'm the little hobbit of the bunch. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're both big dudes. Sean's probably six, two or six, three. And I'd guess like two thirty, two maybe two thirty ish. And, uh, Jesse is, you know, six, eight and maybe about the same, maybe a little heavier, about the same weight as Sean, I would guess. So yeah, they're big dudes. Great guys. I remember back in the day, we just did some fun podcasts, the three of us just kind of shooting the breeze and, uh, having a chat. We should bring that back, but Sean's going to be very busy with Congress and Jesse's very busy uh, building out the very successful and, and uh, very worthwhile Jesse Kelly show, which you all should be watching on, uh, on the first, as well as listen to his radio show. Uh, Tim. Hey Buck, I'm an Australian who is fascinated by American politics. Only started listening to your podcast recently. I love your way of thinking and how you explain what's going on. Thank you for giving me great content to listen to every day at work and good luck in the coming weeks. MAGA. Well, Tim, we got Team Buck down under. Love it, my man. If I make it down there, we'll go headbutt some kangaroos together. Just kidding. I've never headbutt them. I love animals. But you know what I mean. Uh, although I did see a video recently of a guy getting attacked by a kangaroo in a golf course. It was terrifying. Producer Mark, have you seen that one? It's, it went viral a few days ago. I think I heard something about it. Yeah. Like this kangaroo jumps at this guy and like just starts kicking him and like attacking him. And there's they. They don't mess around, man. Everyone they look thinks kangaroos cute, but... are like nice animals. They are not nice animals to humans. This so it's so classic. Kangaroos not that nice. Uh, koalas look like they're they look like little stuffed animals. They're mean. They bite and scratch. So I've heard things. My sister went uh, abroad in Australia, so she knows all about because she loves animals and she found all this out. Was very disappointed. So I'll stick with the uh, domesticated dogs. I just want to give you. Kisses and snuggles. I can see Tallulah right now. She's the best. She keeps me company during the radio show. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. As always, two weeks out from Election Day. We got a lot to cover together in the days ahead. Please pass the buck. Tell a friend. Get one family member, one buddy, one person who's new to Team Buck to listen to the Buck Sexton Show. Share the uh, podcast. It's on uh, iHeart app, Spotify, wherever you listen. Until tomorrow. 
Shields high.